Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 or 27. Yeah, I'm going to do 26. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, likewise, the spirit helps in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought to. But the spirit himself, say the spirit intercedes the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words English standard version it says in verse 27 and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God it says intercedes it means that he's praying for pushing for vying for you according to the will of God not according to your dream or your passion or what you thought you should be doing in this world but the Holy Spirit is only pushing the will of God over your life um, and so he says in verse 28 and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good and we know that for those who love God those who love who it says all things work together, which means that there is a category of people who all things do not work together for. Right? So it says, and we know that for those who love God, if I say I love God and I follow him, everything works for good. Everything works for good. Everything works for good. I want you to think about what I'm saying. Everything works for good. I work for hope. Some of y'all work for Apple. Some of y'all work for Walmart. It says it works for good, which means it was employed by good. And so whatever it does has to benefit good. You understand? It works for good. That means that my bad times were hired by good. That means <laughs> anyway, my bad times were hired by good. God hired my bad times. He hired my mess ups. He hired my heartbreak. He hired those things to work for a greater good. That doesn't look like the good I think is really good. So we see, he says, um, you know, that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, that means knew beforehand. He knew you before you got here. To those he foreknew, listen to this, he also predestinated. He also predestinated. Pre means before destinated means end or destiny means end which means that he ended you before he started you he had your end in mind when he made you and almost in a sense you're working backwards so, okay so he says it says he predestinated you which means he already set your end what was your end it says to be conformed to the image of his son he made you to be conformed. If I'm going to conform something, I force it to fit a mold. So if I take Play-Doh and I'm trying to put it in a hole, I force it to fit. And it takes on the shape of whatever I put it in. It's telling you that you are able to be molded and conformed to something. When you come into the world, you are not just you as you, but you are being made into something. And so that's why the devil will send traumas and he'll send different things your way because he's trying to form and fashion you to be something that God is not intended for you to be, while God is trying to form and fashion you into being something that he's called for you to be. He says now, uh, to be conformed to the image of his son, he's trying to make and mold you to look like Jesus. 
So when we out here and we saved and we say, well, I ain't Jesus, so I ain't going to forgive. You're going against the natural design that God had for you. He made you to become like his son. That's the goal. So I shouldn't brag about how I'm not there. I'm going against the design that he set. I got to walk this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk this all the way back and walk it right up to the front. Y'all ready for that? I'm going to walk it right up to the front. So look, he says, he says now, he says now, um, I predestinated him to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, talking about his son, might be the firstborn among many brethren. He will be the firstborn. He will be the new breed of person that was getting ready to come. You're going to see why, but he will be the new breed of person that was getting ready to come, that, that Christ may be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, and those whom he predestinated, those who he set an end for before he began them, those he, those he predestinated, he also called. I called those ones, those ones that I ended before I started them, those ones that I had their end in mind from the beginning. I called them. Now, if I called you, he says, and those he called, he also justified, which means that when I called you, I justified you. I gave you every reason to walk in the call. That means everything you thought disqualified you, I cleared that from your record. The only one thinking about it is you. I called you. Go. I've justified you. I've justified. Listen to that. I've justified you. I've justified you. I've justified you because I called you, because I predestinated you, because I foreknew you. I've justified you. And then he says, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. The end goal that he was trying to get to was to glorify you, to glorify you. Talk about the glory of God, but God wants to express his glory through you. He wants to show off through you. He wants to be made known through you. He wants to make you glorified. And in your glorification, he becomes glorified. Now, um, to walk this back really quickly, because I do have 20 minutes, to walk this back really quickly, in the, in the beginning of time, before anything ever began, uh, there was a story that took place that's not necessarily clear in the Bible, but it's implicated, that there had to be some type of war or something that happened in heaven where God had all of his angels and he made and formed and fashioned them. Um, and th you could look at this heavens until millennia later, but he makes the heavens first. He makes all of his angels. And in the heavens, the Bible says that there is all sorts of angels. There are seraphims. There are which means that he is the closest to the presence of God. Have you ever seen uh, in like a super, super religious or charismatic church, they got something called the Ark of a Covenant. Oh, I'm sorry, I probably offended you. Uh, they got something called the Ark of the Covenant, and that's the cherub. The cherub was made to cover the presence of God or made to be in close proximity to the presence of God. And so in the close proximity of the presence of God, this angel specifically named Lucifer, uh, we learn about him in, in a, 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 what is it, Ezekiel chapter 28, where the Bible says that all types of jewels and all types of beautiful tabarets and every precious stone was built into his body. Not just built into his body, he had pipes built into his body. That means that Satan would lift up or Lucifer would lift up his left arm and the note of G would come out. He would lift up his right arm and then the note of C would come out. Everything in him was beautiful and made perfect almost in the day that he was made. And the Bible says one day iniquity was found in him. That word iniquity also means unrighteousness, which means that something was found in his heart while he was in the presence of God that had disqualified him from being in the presence of God. What was the iniquity found in him? We, weren't, we, 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 we uh, learn in Isaiah chapter 14 that he said in his heart, I'm going to be like the most high. I'm going to ascend to the sides of the north and I will be my own God. I don't need this one. But he didn't say it out loud. He just said it in his heart because that's what iniquity is. Iniquity is not something that happens on the outward. Iniquity 
Iniquity is something that happens beneath the skin. Iniquity is what I cannot see. Iniquity is what led to your sin. Before you got into the bed with the person, there was an, there was an imagination formed inside of your heart. This is why the Bible says that Christ was wounded for your transgressions, your sins, but he was bruised for your iniquities. A wound is something you see on the outward side, but a bruise is something that takes place under the skin, which means that he was wounded not just for the things you do out loud, but the stuff you got going on up in this nasty little heart of yours. He, he, he said iniquity was found in you. Now, God is very intelligent. Of course, he's God because he waits until that same iniquity that was in him sparked about a third of the angels. So that same thought that was in Lucifer, he let Lucifer meander around long enough just to expose the hearts of everybody else that felt like they were their own gods, too. He waited till all of them was gathered together. And then Jesus makes this statement to his disciples. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Which means God kicked him out with a third of his angels, and that's what hell was prepared for. Now, pay attention to this because this is very beautiful and this is very amazing. This is where you start. This is where you come in. Because after God kicks out Satan, after Satan has tried to raise a coup in the heavens, and after he's tried to make other people believe that they can be their own God and make other people think that they can live independent aside from God, God begins to start his earthly creation. He makes the earth and the skies. The Bible says he makes the greater light to rule the day. He makes the lesser light to rule the night. He takes the seas and he splits them up. He calls us for you to see the blue sky. Then he then he makes then he makes grass and then he makes animals and then he makes all these different things but then the bible says in genesis 1 and 26 god sat back and looked at himself and said let us make man after our image and in our likeness after our image and in our likeness now this is genesis 1 and 26 if i want to know what god's image is i got to look at john chapter 4 verse 24 when he's talking to the woman at the well who's trying to game him a little bit and when he says to her uh god is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth so when he says god is a spirit he's letting you know that the image that he made them in in genesis 1 and 26 is a spirit he makes a spirit in Genesis 1 and 26. Please follow. Ooh, watch this replay. He says he, he, he uh, makes a spirit in Genesis 1 and 26. You know he made a spirit because in Genesis 2 and 7, it says, and then God formed man. Which means that he already made something, but then he made something else. He already made something, but then he made something else. It says, and then God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Which means that in the beginning, God had already had the spirit of man on the inside of him. But then he takes out of the dust and forms man out of the dust of the ground. And then the Bible says he breathed into the man's nostrils the breath of life. The breath of life is the spirit he had made in Genesis 1. And then he made the body to give you something to walk around this earth in. And the Bible says when the spirit hit the body, man became a living soul. So he made you in three parts, just like he's in three parts. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He made you spirit, soul, and body. He gave you a body to walk in and interact in this earth. He gave you a soul so that you can have a personality with emotions and a will and all those things. But he gave you his spirit so that you could connect to him. God doesn't reach you through your body. God don't reach you through your emotions. That's your soul. God don't reach you through your mind. That's your brain. God don't reach you through your will, through, through, how, through how you do things. God reaches you through your spirit, and your spirit touches the rest. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so he forms him, but when God did this, Satan was there watching all of creation. He hates you because when God formed you, I believe it says in Hebrews, angels looked down and said, who is this thing? 
that you put a little lower than who is this thing that you so mindful of what's this little thing that you made that you formed out of clay that you formed out of dirt that you so mindful of that you that you that you that you consider the apple of your eye that you made creation go around you gave them dominion over the stuff that you made you said that they can name the animals you gave them power to create you gave them all these different things what is this thing satan's looking at you saying you made me with jewels you made me with diamonds you made me with all these beautiful things i had pipes built up into me what did you do with this dirt how is dirt more valuable than me this is what you replaced me with <laughs> this is what you replaced me with this is what you this is what you this is what you decided to do god said listen satan i i want you to know something the reason why this creation is better than you is because I took dirt, the dirtiest thing I could find. I made a shape, and then I just put me inside of it. I made you beautiful and gave you all the great things that you want, but I never put me in you. I just let you reflect me. You reflect me. They embody me. You reflect me. Listen to what I'm saying. They embody me. They walk like me. They move like me. So I'll come in the cool of the day and I'll talk to this dirty thing. I'll look at this dirty thing. This is why David says, you remember my frame is but dust. You still want me. You still love me. And Simon, not Simon, excuse me. I'm thinking about another message because I, I, I show got him lined up. Satan now is completely baffled. And he wants to do something that disrupts the order of what God did. Because what I didn't tell you is that when God made you spirit, soul, and body, he made you in a specific order that was to be followed. Your spirit, which came from him, was made to overpower everything else and make your body go into alignment with God, make your soul go into alignment with God. And so the reason why God could walk and meet with man in the cool of the day and do all those different things is because man's spirit was reigning over everything. Man's spirit was reigning over everything. And so when God sets man in the garden, he gives them an option. Because he has to give you an option in order for you to actually love him. Some of y'all be forcing people to love you. Stop. Wasn't it just Valentine? Stop. You bought them everything in the world. Love me, love me, love me, love me, love me. It is not love if I make you do it. I have to give you options. So this is why God gives you free will, because he wants to see if you'll choose. And he only wants what will choose him. Just like you should. Only want what will choose you. Um, <laughs> he gives them free will. He does all those things. And he gives them options. The Bible says he gives them thousands of trees. And each of these trees have fruit that we have never seen. They have pomegranates. They have all these different fruits. But then he sets in the middle of the garden two trees. He sets in the middle of the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he sets in the tree of life. We never taught you about the tree of life. We only talked about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because that was the tree that came with a curse. That was the one he said, if you eat from this one, today you're going to die. Today, right now, you're going to die. The second you eat it, you're going to die. Uh, and then he puts in the tree of life. What we don't tell you is that in the tree of life, had they ate it, they would have lived forever. That was eternal life right there. The Bible says he gave them that option, then he sets them in the garden, and one day Eve goes by the snake who's sitting by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the devil is always next to the thing God told you not to touch. He's always around it, and he, and he, and he has a conversation with her, and he sparks her interest because he knows that she 
in her, even though she has God on the inside of her, even though she has all these great things, she in her has a desire to be like the one that made her. He knows that there is something in you that wants to be independent. He knows that there is something in you that does not want the rule and the reign of God. He knows there is something in you that if you could, if you could figure it out, you would do it without God. He knows that. He knows like your nature, the flesh part that God made. He knows that that part of God, that part of you does not desire or want God. So he stands by her and he says, did God tell you that you can't eat from this tree? Or excuse me, he says, did God tell you that you can't eat from every tree in the garden? And she says, well, no, God just told us that we can't eat that or even touch it. God didn't even say, don't, don't touch it. She just understood the instructions so much, she added one. You know, your kids, like, you know, you say, stop talking. They stop breathing because they know what you meant. I'm not, stop talking. They knew when God said, the day you touch this or even uh, the, day, the day you eat this, you're going to surely die. They thought it was so serious that she added an instruction. He said, don't even touch it. Don't go buy it. Don't breathe it. Don't do nothing. And Satan says, no, you're not going to die. God knows that when you eat this, you're going to be like him, knowing both good and evil. You're going to know right from wrong. You're going to know all those things, and you're going to see like he sees. And the Bible says Satan doesn't say nothing else to her. The serpent, Satan, he doesn't, he doesn't say nothing else to her. He leaves her to her own imagination. Because contrary to popular belief, the devil cannot touch you. The devil can't do anything with you. He only uses you against you. He uses your imagination. He uses your desires. And he's made up a profile of you based on what you picked in the past. So he knows your type. He knows you like him, light skin, long hair, middle in the waist. You know, he, he knows how you like it. He knows exactly what you like. I even submit to you that if it comes to you and it's not temptation, it's not really the devil. Some things that come to you ain't even really temptation for you. It's just, ugh. Some DMs you get, it's not temptation. You standing fast in the faith. Until the right one. Until the right one. He knew what she desired. And the Bible says when she saw these things, she then took the fruit. She ate it. She gave it to Adam because Adam was sitting there watching the whole time. And he takes it and he eats it, but he just waits to see what will happen to her. Because that's what I would do. <laughs> he could make another one of you. Let me see what happens if you eat this. Go ahead and pass it to me. I, 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 I want to try that. He takes it. He eats it. I promise you I'm going somewhere. He takes it, he eats it. And then when he eats it, the Bible says that their eyes become open. Satan didn't all the way lie. Their eyes became open. He just deceived them. Deception is different than lying. It's me telling you the truth with the intent to make you believe something that's not necessarily true. And so he, he, he deceived them. They, their eyes became open and they recognized they were naked. Before, they had not recognized they were naked because they really hadn't thought about their flesh. Oh, my goodness. They were so involved in the spirit that their outer appearance really meant nothing to them. The second they ate that, they began to notice more natural things than spiritual things. You're trying to figure out why you are so caught up on the natural and it's hard for you to let go of what you desire and look to the things that's unseen. All of that looks stupid to us because something is out of order now. They were completely naked and had not even noticed each other's nakedness. Nothing fleshly enticed them. They weren't moved by anything fleshly. Wow, y'all hear what I'm saying? They weren't moved by anything fleshly. Nothing natural made them feel good. It wasn't even the fruit that made her want to do it. It was her desire to be independent. They didn't really care about food that much. We had everything we needed. God's presence is here. Satan shifted that out of whack. So the Bible says... Remember, remember, God tells them when you eat of this, the day you eat of it, you're going to surely die. 
Well, they eat it and they're still breathing, which either means God is a liar or we're misinterpreting what he thought or uh, what he said. The Bible says they eat it, and the second they eat it, God comes down, and he says, Adam, where are you? Because Adam had ran and hid himself. Now, God never asks you a question that he don't know the answer of. He asks you because you don't know. And so he says, where are you? Trying to get Adam to locate where he just went in the spirit because our natural connection has now been lost. Adam, why are you moving away from me? The Bible says he heard God's voice walking in the garden. Listen to what I just said. He heard God's voice walking. He heard God's voice walking, which means that whenever you lose sight of God, he'll send his voice after you. And it'll come in the form of me talking to you right now. It'll come in the form of your little child saying, Mama, why don't you read the Bible no more? Why don't we go to church no more? It'll come in the form of your dip telling you that I don't deserve you. Maybe you should go back to what you was doing before. God will always send his voice after you, but you know that you've been out of line with him because you run from anything that reminds you of what he told you to do. You run from anything that reminds you of what he actually gave you to do. That resembles too much of God. Let me move. They run from him as he's running to them. And he says, Adam, where are you? And he says, uh, I, I noticed I was naked and I hid myself. God asked, I think, one of the most deepest questions I've ever read. He said, who told you you was naked? It's only deep if you realize that nobody told them that. That the devil didn't even tell them that. God was saying, why are you recognizing more flesh than spirit now? What happened to your perception? How did your convictions get numb like that? Who told you that you was naked? Shouldn't you have been in prayer? Who, who told you that you're missing out on something? What was working in your heart? What did you get to do? He said, did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to, Adam? Don't you understand what you just did? Something died, but it wasn't your flesh. Your connection to me is gone. Your spirit is now dead. Your spirit, listen to that, is now dead. Your spirit, what connected you to me, Adam, is now dead. Satan succeeded in taking out the thing in you that was actually valuable. It made you think you had value in your dirt. So he, he, he took the thing out of you that made you beautiful, made you perfect. He took that out of you. So now you struggle. So now you recognize stuff you shouldn't have recognized. Now it's hard to quit doing what you were doing before. Something in you is dead, and you didn't know. He tells the serpent, I told you this before, and I used it for another point, but he tells the serpent, you know, because you did this, you're going to crawl on the ground. He's, he's cursing the animal, but then he speaks to Satan. And he says, uh, the seed of the woman, remember I told you that? It's going to crush your head, and you're going to bruise his heel. And I told you that women don't have seeds, because I know we failed health. Women have eggs. Darn it. And so the woman he's talking about carrying a seed is Mary coming down the line. And he's prophesying of something that will come. And I told you that the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, which means that God had already enacted this plan of sending Jesus to die for you in the spirit before it ever happened in the natural, which means that Jesus had already died in the spirit before he ever 
before Adam ever even looked at a fruit. This, is, this, is, this, this always goes to show you that God, when he prophesies something, it's not going to happen. It already happened. Time just got to catch up. I told y'all that before, and we rejoiced over that. You take it again. When God says something, it's not going to happen. When God says something, it's not going to happen. When God says something, it's not going to happen. It has already happened. It has already happened. But because something in you is out of whack, you haven't caught up to it yet. Spirit is dead. Adam doesn't realize that that part of him is dead. And now Jesus, the plan of Jesus to come into the world comes. Jesus comes to wake that spirit up. Not just to wake that spirit up, that connection to God. But when he comes, he comes, he lives a perfect life, dies for you, dies for your sins, exchanges his righteousness for your unrighteousness, takes his body covers up your sin, covers up who you are, your negativity, all your things, substitutes that, and is because he cannot see you, he sees his son when he looks at you, and the perfect things his son did, my sin is hidden, my stuff that I did is hidden, all of that is covered, it's covered, it's covered, it's covered like insurance, it's just covered, there's nothing that I can do outside of God's covering that would disqualify me, God covers, Jesus covers what I've done, he covers what I've done, he covers what I've done, the Bible says he presents you faultless, it's almost like he presents you perfect, I know what you did last night, but you repented and got your heart together, and he presented you like nothing ever happened, He's looking at Jesus' record while you feel like you, you, you're, you're disqualified for the stuff you've done. If you accepted him, he's covered you. But he didn't just come to do that. He came so that that thing that connected you to God that died in the garden could come back. Do you know when God kicked them out the garden, he didn't kick them out the garden because they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He kicked them out so that they wouldn't eat from the tree of life now. God says that my spirit will not always strive or fight with your flesh kick them out of the garden so that they don't take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I mean, uh, take from the tree of life and become stuck forever in their corrupted state. I won't let them touch that just yet because if they touch it right now in this messed up state that they are, they'll stay stuck that way. And I don't want to deal with that forever. I don't want to combat with you saying, I don't want to do it forever. I don't, uh, don't want to deal with that forever. I don't want to fight with your flesh forever. I don't want you to have to fight with your flesh forever. I'm going to remove you from the garden, clean up your record, and then give you back access to it. The Bible says that there was an angel that stood there in front of the tree to guard the way to the tree of life. So that if anybody ever, ever wanted to come back, the angel would guard the way to the tree of life. <laughs> Listen to what I'm going to say. It guard the way to the tree of life. Jesus dies for you, but when he comes on this earth, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. People didn't catch it then because they didn't realize what they missed out on. He says, I'm giving you a second chance to make a choice again. I'm giving you a second chance to make a choice again. I've come back to be this tree of life for you. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You missed it. I'm the way. The truth and the life. The angel was guarding the way until the fullness of time came when Jesus would come down on the earth. And now we have access to get back to the place that we lost in the garden. I am the way, 
the truth and the life. You don't have to believe the lies that the enemy has told you. I'm going to guide you this way. I'm going to show you my truth and I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to clean up your record so that you are not stuck that way. I'm going to give you what I want to give you now. I couldn't give it to you then, but I'm going to give it to you now. You should rejoice off of that just because God won't give you stuff that you're not ready for. God won't give you things that he know you're going to mess up. The reason why he's moved you in the way that he's moved you is because you won't. You should be glad that God said not yet. You should be glad that God said get out of this place and get out of this space before you mess up my blessing for you. I won't send what I'm going to send you because I can only trust the future you with it. Not this you. Not this you. I can't trust you with what I'm about to give you. Can't give you millions right now. I can't give you a wife right now. I'm not going to let you damage my daughter like that. Now you can go get it. But I'm not going to give it to you. And I want to see how submitted you are to the spirit to not choose before me. To wait until I say go get it. The right thing in the wrong time makes that thing the wrong thing. The right thing in the wrong time makes that thing the wrong thing. Jesus dies for us. I got to speed this up. Jesus dies for us. Um, Jesus dies for us. Where's Izzy? Come on, man. Jesus dies for us. And this is what happens. Brother Chuck, you are a huge guy. Can I please use you? Come here. <laughs> He's so crispy. He said, you see the yays? What's up, brother? I'm going to use you right here. I want you just to stand um, right here. Hi, Izzy. Come here. Stand on that side of him. Now, God uses, this is just how I saw it in my head. Hey, girl. This is just how I saw it in my head. Jesus dies for you, gives you the chance to choose again. When he died for you, he made available a sacrifice that you could take. He made, it, he made it available for you to get back that, ple- that, that piece of you that, he lo- that you lost. So now he sends you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to get and connect with your spirit and bring it back to life. Not just bring it back to life, but partner with it to make you stronger than what you were before. So now you have something that Adam didn't have. You have a helper. When you're about to choose it, something in you can work and stop you from going that way. Have you ever wondered why you just didn't go back just yet? There's something in you fighting through you when you don't want to fight. That's why I just read for you, when I don't know what I should pray as I ought, the Holy Spirit who helps my infirmities, he helps my weaknesses, he helps my low places. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. He's strongest when I'm weakest. That's, that's when he's able to show himself through me. That's, that's what he came to do. So now, let's say you got saved now. What does that mean? You accepted his sacrifice. You, you, said, you, said, you said, Lord, I, I accept you into my heart. I accept what you've done. And you yield to him for real. When you are saved now, your spirit wakes up. This means the convictions you did not have, you now have. It don't come from your mama. It don't come from the way you were the buggy in the aisle. And then you went and got in your car and got, got down the street, turned around, said, you know what? That's not integral. Let me go turn around because people shouldn't have to go like that. People shouldn't have to work like that. Something in you changed. You used to cuss them out and go straight to sleep. You used to cuss them out, just go right to bed. Cuss them out, rub your feet together. And I, man, 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 I told them. But then you cussed them out. You tormented at night. You can't sleep. You text them. 
you know what, I'm sorry, that, 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 that just wasn't godly. I just don't want to. When you first got saved, there was things that you could do that you didn't want to do. Things that wouldn't send you to hell, but you just didn't want to do because you felt this, this connection was too sweet. Some of you need that back. That sensitivity. Before you start searching the Bible to find out, would this send me to hell? Okay, let me do this. Would this send me to hell? Let me, get, let me, let me see if I can get away with that. Well, I just, you know, it say don't be drunk. It don't... You know, it don't necessarily say you can't live with them. It say don't do that. So I'm just going to, you know, you can stay over. And we start trying to figure out if the Bible can help us get out of our standard. There was a standard set for you. No, it ain't going to send you to hell, but you don't do it. They don't want to hear that. They ain't going to send you to hell. You can't do it. Now, Hey, I, 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 I ain't saying nothing. I ain't saying nothing I ain't saying. I'm just saying. But the Bible, now your spirit that was dead in trespasses and sins, when you got saved, it came alive. It came alive. You feel him now. You feel him. You know what God wants to do in this service? Give some of y'all your feeling back. You feel him. You feel him. Here's the truth. Some of you are saved, but you numb. You don't feel him. You don't need to keep coming up here getting saved. He's not re-saving you. They don't want to hear that. Jesus is not dying again. It is finished. When you accepted that, it was done. Just because I got clean in the shower, got out and got dirty, don't mean I need to throw my body away and be born again in my mama body. That means I need to go back in the shower. They didn't hear me. What is repentance? Washing. You're not unsaved. You're just dirty. Go wash yourself. Go wash yourself. He said, take off your filthy garments. He said, take them off. He didn't say, kill this body. He said, take this off. That means you're wearing something you shouldn't wear. Take it off. You're clean if you take it off. That's what he tells Peter when he's washing Peter's feet. Peter said, well, don't just wash my feet. Wash my whole body. He said, you are already washed by my word. He said, all I need to do is just keep washing your feet. I don't need to wash your whole body. He literally says, you don't need to take a bath to take a shower. You don't need to, <laughs> you don't need to be right to get right. You don't need to be clean to get saved. You get saved and he does the cleaning over and 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 over. Because you're going to mess up, 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 mess up. Right after this moment, you're going to mess up, mess up, mess up, mess up, mess up, mess up. And guess what? God never runs out of cleaning supplies. He never runs out of cleaning you up and getting you right and doing the thing over again. He's going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it because he that has begun a good work in you is going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When you get up out of here, then you'll be ready. But now he's going to just keep cleaning and keep cleaning and keep cleaning and keep cleaning. I know you're still cussing a little bit, but let him clean again. Let him clean again. Let him clean again. And you're going to start to notice that there's some distance between you and what you used to do. It was every day. Now it's once a week. It was once a week. Now it's once a month. Now you don't even know what that feel like no more because you kept letting him clean. We don't want to tell you that, but some stuff is about to be progressional. I'm about to walk out in layers. I'm about to walk out in truth. I'm about to walk out this thing one step at a time until I'm completely free. Walk it out.
Work out your own soul salvation. Work out your own soul salvation. Work out your own soul salvation. Keep working it out. Keep working it out. I don't care if you fall. Get up and work it out. And the one judging you is the one doing what you did. Keep working it out. Keep working it out. Keep working it out. And something going to shift. Work it out. Work it out. I wish somebody would have told me that when I preached my first message. That I would sleep with the girl on the second row. One, two, boom. And then feel like he can't use me no more because I messed up again, but I was really serious. They don't like that type of church, Kai. They don't like that. They thought it was all done cold turkey, Kai. No. I'm going to show you why it ain't all done cold turkey. The Bible says that the younger brother, remember that, will serve the, or the oldest brother will serve the younger brother. Talking about Esau and Jacob. But that was prophetic, talking about you and your body. Because you got saved and your spirit came back alive. But your flesh been alive. So, when you got saved and your spirit came back alive, your spirit was alive. But it looked like Izzy. Your flesh was big and bad. And it looked like Brother Chuck. This had to be built up. Because you just got here. You've been practicing this for years. Only using him because he's big and I know he ain't going to move when I do this. You've been doing this for years. And so now my spirit, the Bible says, your flesh is weak but your spirit is willing. What Jesus is really saying is that your flesh wants to do what it wants to do. And it got the upper hand right now. Your spirit is ready to do what it has to do, but it's not strong enough right now. So he tells them, pray so that you don't enter into temptation. I want you to do this spiritual practice that will build this up so that this can conquer it. I want to show you something. The Bible says that your spirit and your flesh are at enmity against each other to make sure that you don't do what God wants you to do. It's literally what the Bible says. Your flesh is opposing your spirit to make sure you don't do what God wants you to do or get where God wants you to go. Now, let's say I'm God and Izzy, I want you to push past Brother Chuck to get to me. Brother Chuck, do not move. <laughs> I'm just saying. But push past and you can face him, Brother Chuck, but try to push past him. This is how, this is how your spirit looks trying to do what God wants you to do. Is he trying anymore? Because that's exactly what y'all do. I tried one time, it ain't work, so I'm going to just stop. And there is really no struggle. There is really no fight because this seems too much. It looked like too much for him. It looked like too much for him. This is too much. This is too much. And so what God is trying to get you to do is work to build this up. Work to build this up. Work to build this up. Come here, Trey. Work to build this up. <laughs> Work to build this up. Now you've been saved for about two years. You, you done developed a prayer life. So now you got some, you done, you done got some stuff behind you. You developed a word life. And now you are pushing harder than you ever pushed before. Trey, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to stand behind Izzy. Stand behind Izzy and Brother Chuck, you can face him like how I'm facing him. I don't know what position you used to play, Brother Chuck, but I wouldn't want to run into you. I'd cut through that hole fast. Stop, stop. 
when you got saved, God sent in reinforcements. God sent in reinforcements. Now, <laughs> Izzy, this is your spirit. This is your human spirit. This is the Holy Spirit come alongside to help. Now, this time, I want you to push. And I don't want you to quit because you got some reinforcements. Trey, I want you to help him get to me through him. Come straight through him. Don't try to go around him or nothing like that because I heard you used to play football. Chill out. Do not hurt my mans. I'm just playing. But push with him to get to me. Push with him to get to me. Now, hold on. Brother Chuck, that ain't how life go. I ain't never want to just stop something and I, and I could just stop. Flesh ain't never volunteered to get out of my way. I want you to not let them get to me. Here we go. Go ahead. Go. Now hold on. Hold on. Because this is my flesh. Remember, I am God. This is my flesh. This is my spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit takes over, it's going to help my spirit connect with me. But guess what it's also bringing along with it? My flesh. So my flesh has to submit to God and get to him regardless of what it wants to do. I'm fighting against it, but something's pushing me to where I'm supposed to go. Did you hear what I just said? God is going to push you there and get you to where you're supposed to be. It's not just so your spirit can connect, but it's so your body can come into alignment with it. So your mind can come into alignment with it. The Holy Spirit ain't just pushing your spirit. It's making everything move. It's making everything move. I want you to do me a favor and lift up your hands and thank God for his spirit. I don't care how messed up you are. His spirit is pushing. His spirit is pushing. His spirit is pushing. His spirit is pushing. And it's funny because at some point, Trey had to just get the spirit out the way and start pushing all by itself. He moved Izzy up and had Brother Chuck just carrying Izzy while he pushing him back because he knows that your spirit sometimes is too weak and what the Holy Spirit does is he bears your infirmities. There's something that's getting you there even when you don't feel like you get in there. You feel like something is carrying you and pushing you there. That's what his spirit comes to do. That is the process of being glorified. When he's getting you to the place, thank you guys, when he's getting you to the place that he wants you to be at. When he's getting you to the place that he wants you to be at. We got to go. But I want to just allow you for a second to understand how the grace of God works for you how he glorifies us and pushes us to where we're supposed to be. I preached my first message on Romans 7. Preached my first message on Romans 7. I don't know why I preached that day or why I asked to preach, but I was in complete sin at the time. But I felt God calling on me because one of the things he does is he pulls on you. You don't go looking for him. He finds something that you didn't want any, to begin with. I was in a relationship and I was totally fine in sin. I, I truly remember being fine in sin until one day I just wasn't. 
this is why it's hard for me to kind of explain and like give you a formula of something. Because I don't know. Just one day I was uncomfortable. One day I was uncomfortable. I hadn't preached. I hadn't prophesied in two years. I hadn't dreamed in two years. I was on drugs. I was getting high to go to sleep. Every day. So I wasn't doing anything like that. One day I was walking out the church. My dad was walking in the church. This is December 2011. And I walked past him and I said, hey, you should let me preach on Sunday. I'm talking about the Christmas Sunday. I don't know what acts that out of me. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. Something came out of me and said that to him. He looks at me and says, okay. I said, okay. He said, okay. I said, okay. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to do what I'm supposed to do. Now, well, my dad would probably tell you he never taught me how to make a message. I think I asked him stuff before and whatnot, but I, my dad never taught me how to sit down. This is what you do. I just knew what to do because it was my gift. It was my calling. I end up preaching, and the thing God led me to was Romans 7, where he says, the good that I want to do, I can't do. Every time I try to do the right thing, evil is always around. It says, even when I think to do good, there's this law warring against the law of my mind that's making me become subject. And he said, a wretched man I am who can save me from this sin. And I preach that. I preach that with my sin on the second row. It's a hard thing to do to preach when your mistakes is in the room. Your mistakes are in the room. I had to do that a couple times. And I'm preaching, and God is bringing his word to me, but I didn't realize I was talking about me. I was struggling in myself and trying to do the right thing, but God had ignited this passion in me to go after him and to be what he called me to be. But I was always taught that when you get saved, you don't do that stuff no more. You just don't do it. So then when I was doing it and I was saved, I just didn't think I was saved. And I had to keep getting resaved, or God had to keep like redoing what he did for me already and all these different things. And I went through a cycle, a six-year cycle of me struggling with drugs and sex and different things of that nature while preaching. The whole first half of my ministry was in sin. It's making people so uncomfortable, and I just love it. It just makes me feel so happy. So happy, I'm so happy. And I just didn't realize how I could come out of that. I didn't realize that the Holy Spirit was really my helper. I thought he just gave you power to cast out devils and speak in tongues. I didn't know that he gave you power to not lose your mind. To not kill yourself. To just keep coming, even when you feel like there's nothing there for you. When I learned that he helps me and he pushes me, and that he's perfecting me. And that a lot of times God isn't looking for complete perfection out of you. In the term that we think of perfection. He's looking for submission. When the Bible says perfect, it's not talking about not ever doing anything. It's talking about maturity. When he tells you to be perfect, he's telling you to grow up. And become submissive. I learned that my process is one step at a time. Not to be comfortable in my sin because I never could be not to be stuck and live a lifestyle of stuff just because I know he has grace but to keep fighting until something lifts me up and pushes me to where I'm supposed to be I want you to do me a favor and stand up all over the room there are some of you in here right now you want to get saved and give your life to God
because you've never done it before. You can. But then there are some of you in here right now, you need to be washed. You need to be washed, which means you don't need to be resaved. I'm telling you right now, Jesus isn't dying again for you. He already did that. When you accepted it, he made you new. Here's how you know that you're saved, because it's a struggle now. You know you're saved when it's a struggle, because a struggle means that you have not been conquered. Things that are conquered don't fight back. Something in you is fighting, which means something in you is not going. Feed that thing. I want you to do me a favor. Lift up your hands. We have to go. There are some of you in here that want to come to the altar. I'm not going to stop you. You can. And I'm not going to hold up anybody that doesn't want to. I'm going to dismiss you. There are some of you here that want to come to the altar. I'm not going to stop you. You can. There's some of you in here, you know you need to be washed. You can come here now. You can come here now. You can come here now. He's going to cleanse you. And he's going to make you as white as snow.